welcome to Exploring the Faith Hour of our Sunday morning services. I am Jesse Lee Peterson. Thank you so much for being with me. You can get involved by calling the number that is on the screen there right now. I do appreciate it. Merry Christmas. And Merry Christmas and good morning to everybody here. Hi, y'all. Oh, good. Uh, before we get rolling, I want you to know that there is a Santa Claus is white. There is no such thing as a black Santa Claus. And Jesus is black. <laughs> and Jesus is black. You say Hispanic? <laughs> I've never seen a Hispanic. Can you imagine I'm at home asleep and a Hispanic Santa Claus come down my chimney? Or oh, a black one? <laughs> <laughs> and Jesus is black as well. I don't care what anyone says. We gave black people Kwanzaa, but you're not going to take my white Jesus and my white Santa Claus. Is Jesus white or black? Yeah. Oh, I've given you Jesus, but you can't take my white Santa Claus. <laughs> there is a major debate going on, a national debate. Not local, not in your house. A national debate about the color of Santa Claus and Jesus by adults. Isn't that amazing? And it's like a real serious debate between the races, the whites and the black. Well, some of the whites and the black, not all, of course. Uh, a white woman said that Jesus, I mean Santa Claus, was white. And the blacks went after her and they said, no, he's black. Can you imagine that? It's okay. Santa Claus can be any color he wants. <laughs> it's, what did they say? They said that one particular guy on CNN said that in his house, Santa Claus is black. <laughs> <laughs> the CNN guy said in his house, Santa Claus is black. Yeah. We don't have a mic holder for you? No. Because the mic holder is up to oh. unconscious. Yeah, Don Lemon of CNN, he responded. He said that in his house, Santa Claus is black. Wow. If a black Santa Claus came in my house, I had to get my gun. Because I know he's coming to steal. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm joking. Not all black Santa steal. <laughs> I'm just playing, folks. <laughs> but I can't believe that there's like a real lively debate by adults about the color of Santa Claus. I could possibly see the color of Jesus happening, but Santa Claus, Santa Claus is just a plaything. You know, it's like not real. Well, he's real, but... <laughs> uh, I grew up having fun as a kid waiting for Santa Claus to come. I remember uh, the night before Christmas, we'd be all around the fireplace because we didn't have a heater. We had a fireplace only. And just having fun, and there were, no, there were no toys under the tree at the time or anything because we were convinced that Santa was going to come that night and uh, bring the toys, right? And we, 
we would go to bed early so we could wake up early. And when we woke up, Santa had come and brought the toys. He came down the chimney because my grandmother never opened the door for him. He came, and Santa Claus was white. He was absolutely white. Huh? My, my, I saw pictures of him. And my grandmother said he was white. <laughs> he was black. Oh, it was a black Santa coming down. Huh? I have never seen a black Santa Claus. When I was, uh, and I wasn't traumatized by thinking that Santa Claus was white. Were you traumatized by that, Rodney, thinking Santa Claus was white? It's not about, I don't think it's about being traumatized, but there, you know, when you around, I remember going to the mall around here, and there was a bookstore, and it had all black books in the window, and I was shocked because I'd never seen that before, you know? Right. So when you get used to not seeing your own image, there is some issue with that over time. Right. You know, it doesn't make you feel good. You, people want to see their own image. Oh, just the I understand thing. the point you're making. I totally do understand that. But uh, were you traumatized by the white Santa? There wasn't a discussion. There was no discussion about color. He was just white in the mall. That's and did it. you accept it? You accept whatever's there, <laughs> yes. You did Until you it? get older. Huh? Until you get older, and then you make your own decisions. Right. right. That's right, but you were But not- then what happened was a lot of people were already traumatized and stigmatized by it that once I think they went to the mall and they had a white Santa on one end of the mall and a black Santa on the other end of the mall. <laughs> oh, it's crazy. Jesus. But a lot of people still went to the white one because they were just so used to it. Right. So it's, it is, it does brainwash you. you know, <laughs> but now you got to have a Hispanic one too. So at the mall, you need three Santas now. So when you're walking around. <laughs> so were you traumatized? There's no trauma to it, no. But this one black... But I was brainwashed about it, yeah. I'm not traumatized. Oh, you're, you're brainwashed by it? Yes. There were... One black woman said... The, the woman, I think, started this whole thing. I think it was her. She's a, a blogger or something. She said that she was traumatized by the white Santa Claus. And whenever she saw a white Santa Claus when she was a kid, she felt badly about herself. And I dare you to say that Santa Claus is white. Like you, dumb, crazy person. Santa Claus didn't traumatize you. Your mama did that. I'm sure it was an accumulation of stuff. Oh, that's amazing. Yes. So you're Hispanic, right? Yes. Are you traumatized by the white Santa? No. You're but not. You like, okay with it? Yes, but like you said, I think it's it's your mom or whoever kind of feeds you these stories. When I was a kid. You know, my parents would play into the whole Santa Claus thing and uh, the presents would arrive in the morning and stuff. But we would write letters to Santa Claus and I would ask my mom where he lived. Yes. And she would say, North Pole, let's go North mail Pole. the letter. And I asked him, why, why is he so pale? And she would say, because <laughs> he lives in the North Pole and there's a lot of snow. And yeah. so he's very pale because he doesn't have, there's no sun. And he has to work all year to, for that all the children could get their gifts on one day. That's right. So the story made sense. So it wasn't like a white thing or a black thing. or. A I can't remember being focused on the white Santa. I just knew he was white. and But I don't think, I was just excited about him bringing some toys. And I liked the reindeers and things like that that came with him. I used to honestly wonder how they were going to park on our roof. Because we had a tin roof, and it would make a lot of noise. 
And then I saw uh, like a Christmas story of Santa coming in, and I realized they landed real light on the roof. I said, oh, that's how they're doing it. <laughs> and it was fun thinking that. And as I got older, I realized it's time to grow up. You know what I'm saying? How come we can't live that way anymore? Yes, Rodney? I'm saying if Santa Claus looked pale to her, he just looked pale. He, he still looked similar, you know? Oh, I see. I mean, if you don't look anything like that and that's how you grew up all your life, what kind of image are you going to have of yourself? And I'm not saying it still doesn't come from in the home, but you still want to see outside images that look like you. Yeah. I, the point is well taken. The, you know, this is America. There's all kind of folks here, and all kind of folks do different things. And so all kind of folks should be presented. So I, I totally understand that. But Santa, leave Santa alone. You know what I'm saying? Let me take this young man first. I, I come I come my source of information is like the atheists uh-huh. and evolutionists who are all the same, and they want race division. They want us to talk about race. Yes. They want us to talk about how we're different. They want to separate us into the, the little slots. Yeah. And they want to keep bringing this up as, whereas in the Bible there's nothing about race, nothing about um, splitting up based on the color of the skin. But but the atheists want that so badly, and they believe it too. They believe in evolution and they believe that we are different. Uh, races and, and so they notice that all the time. I notice every year around this time, they seem to be having an impact. You know, they seem to be getting stronger and stronger and stronger. You know, because like in New York City right now, they have a big sign out that says um, something about Jesus being a fake or something. Why Christ, you we'll get Christ out of Christmas? Yeah, the Christ out of Christmas. But also, there's a there's a bigger billboard from Answers in Genesis well, Creation uh-huh. uh, Ministries. And Fox News and all that won't put post about that one. But it's bigger than the atheist billboard, but, and it's a Christian billboard in the same place. Really? In, but the in news Times media Square? Yeah. The, the news media won't touch it, though, even though it's, it's about Christmas. Yeah, that's why I think the atheists are winning a little bit, because Christians are so intimidated. And, you know, and folks are worried about their sponsorship and all that kind of stuff. And so they know how to pick it, the sponsors. So I think they're winning somewhat, it appears, because of that. They'll put sponsorship before what's right, and that's become a problem as well. Did you believe in Santa Claus growing up? Yeah. You did? Oh, good. And, you, they, and your kids believe in Santa Claus too? Yeah, and they both know now that it's not. That, that was a rough, last year was a rough year for, for the younger dog. Uh, she found out there was no Santa? Yeah. Because that was too early. To, how, do, how old are you? That's too early to find out there's no Santa. Well, we told her after last Christmas. Oh, you did? What, I, what made you tell Jesus. her? <laughs> what? What made you tell her? It, because I figured between 8 and 9, she's going to learn it at some point, and I wanted her to learn it from her father and then from the outside world. Oh. They what? The other kids tell... Yeah, here you eventually find out. Yeah, yeah, they won't, it wouldn't be a trauma, I don't think, if she had found out at school or someone. Well, it wasn't kid. home, that's for sure. It what? It was a trauma at home when she learned that. Yeah, that's school. disappointing. <laughs> if my grandmother had told me at nine years old there's no center, I would have been ticked. She was ticked. <laughs> uh, uh, I understand how you feel, all right? But keep them in your heart until you get older, all right? And you'll feel better. I... Uh, 
knows there's no Christmas, but my seven-year-old still thinks it is, but people at school are telling him it's not. He keeps asking. <laughs> <laughs> How did your nine-year-old find out? But uh, I think people at school, and he just started looking around, observing things. Oh, and then the other one believed that it is. The other one still believes it, yes. We have to keep them. I know a uh, family that I love dearly who taught their little child, when it was a little child, there was no Santa Claus. I was like, why would you teach them that, you know? It's okay for them to fantasize about that and watch it on TV, you know, the reindeer stories and the Christmas stories. You want to do that as a kid. So let me live my childhood. Let me, you know, I, uh, the Bible says when I was a child, I thought as a, as a child. Now I'm an adult, I think as an adult. You grow out of that. You naturally grow out of it. You naturally realize that there is no, you know, no Santa Claus for adults. You do start to realize that. And it's, it's okay to let kids grow out of that stuff. And now there's no kid, they can't watch Christmas stories and enjoy it. They, if they watch Santa on the, you know, coming in from the North Pole, it's not going to be fun because all that's been stolen away from them. Is that sad or just me thinking this? Huh? Let me get here. Make you want to cry, huh? Who I said think that? It's just you. Uh, it's just me? Yeah, because um, <laughs> <laughs> it could be me. I, I grew up not believing in Santa Claus. Why not? Um, well, just my parents just—they never taught us about Santa Claus. I mean, believe, to believe in Santa Claus. Did they tell you but, there wasn't a Santa Claus? I don't remember. Oh. But I just know. We but they never acted as though there was one. So you just kind of naturally yeah. grew up that one. And but we they had so much fun. We love the Christmas program. I love Santa Claus. I love Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Do you think? And I look forward for, to Christmas because, when, you know, you wake up, you go to bed early. Right. Like you did, wake up early, and there's presents under the tree. But you know your parents got them first. Oh, that's no so fun. So it still is fun. It's still but fun. not the same fun. And then at one time, we stopped getting, we pick out our own present. We go to the store every year, and we get to pick out one, anything we wanted. Right. One thing. And that was so much fun. Oh, Okay. Pat, do you ever, what do you think about that? Should a kid be told at an early age there's no Santa or let them have some fun with it? I don't think they should be told necessarily at a, at a young age. I think they will figure it out. Uh, they will figure it out. The, you you know, kids, kids have lots of things that they like. They like lots of um, uh, cartoons and different yeah. things. I don't think you necessarily have to go out of your way and say there's no uh, you know, whatever the cartoon character is. Of course, cartoon characters don't bring you presents either. That's so right. That is a difference. They do not come down the chimney <laughs> once a year. <laughs> so, but I think, I think it generally figured out. I mean, I think, I don't remember as a kid necessarily being told. At a certain age, I, I think I just figured it out. We had fun with it. I don't remember if I had less fun after knowing what I knew or not. I mean, we yeah. kind of enjoyed Christmas all the way through my childhood. Right. For me, I, I, as a kid, I knew there was a Santa, so I had fun knowing that. When I grew out of it, I, I, the fun continued in a different way. So I naturally knew, but I still have fun with it. You know what I'm saying? So I enjoyed both time in life of having fun as a kid. And then as I got to be a little older, 9 or 10 or 11 or 12, whatever it was, then I could still just enjoy it in, in that era of fun. Figured it out at a certain early age. You do figure it out, after and one. then I think there were others who were older than me, the family that still seemed to be into it. Yeah, and I, I kind of felt I had something over them, like, and I kind of chuckled at them right. when they were, you know, wait up for Santa and stuff. But I, 
I don't know. It was, it was fun all the way, anyway. Yeah, I'm totally into the Santa Claus thing, even now. <laughs> it's just fun, especially seeing kids being eyes all lit up about it. It's all fun. My grandmother used to hide the toys. I remember as I got older, we'd help her wrap the toys. We, were, we could only do it when they weren't there or after they went to bed. We would hide the toys and then put them on the tree, you know, the night of Christmas Eve. Isn't that fun? It was fun hiding the toys from the kids, you know, getting them ready for it, and then watching them wake up the next morning, run into the tree, all excited. You know, just fun in life. It's okay. Relax. I'm sorry. You had that? Uh, but you didn't know that it well, came. What, what if your kid, like, asked you, like, he heard, like, there's no Santa, and he heard the Santa. Yeah. Is now, if they ask, you, that's a good point. Now, if they ask, then you just tell the truth about it. Yeah, that's what happens. Yeah, they ask. You have to tell the truth. Yes. Um, but in real life, there actually was a Santa Claus there. Um, he actually started out giving people they, they needed money, and they um, started, like, sneaking out at night and giving them Absolutely. money. Absolutely. I, I 100% agree with you. And don't let no one take that fun away from you. There was a real Santa, uh, and he's still out there. There's, there's a Santa Claus going around now leaving $1,000 tips. $1,000 tips to the waiters. I the waiters. <laughs> what would you tell him? I don't believe that you're a Santa Claus. They're like, okay, get my money back. But yes, I agree. All right? So. Right. Yeah, it's a historical thing, but don't take it. Leave Santa alone. But I can't imagine, and then i got to move on here, adults arguing over the color of Santa Claus. Now, you know we have stood to an all-time low. It doesn't matter. The color thing doesn't matter. You want a black one, you want a Hispanic one, you want an Asian one, you want one that has white parents or black parents, mixed or mixed Santa Claus, just take your Santa and leave my white one alone. It's okay, really. This is America. One other quick point about Santa. That what you want? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, well, being white, my parents raised me to believe that Santa was white and the elves who did all the work were black. <laughs> I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. Where are your parents now? They're not with us anymore. I'll rest my case. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'm telling you. Um, yeah, there's a major debate going on with that. I want to talk to you about something that I think most people deal with. And uh, I have a couple examples, and these are true stories. And I think that most people can relate to it, too, all right? But first, I want to read. Patrick, you have your Bible with you? Read Matthew uh, chapter 6. You didn't bring it? Get it, for, get it, because you have the Jewish Bible. I want to read it out of there. Yeah. I left mine at home today. I have a different one. Huh? Matthew 6, uh, verse... Oh, verse 24 
I guess I go all the way down through 26. 27. Oh, maybe 28. Okay. Matthew 24 to 28. Yes. Twenty-four all the way through twenty-eight. Talks about God and money. No one can be a slave of two masters. He will either hate the first and love the second, or be attached to the first and despise the second. You cannot be the slave both of God and of money. Trust in providence. That is why I'm telling you not to worry about your life and what you are to eat, nor about your body and what you are to wear. Surely life is more than food and body more than clothing. Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they are? Can any of you, however much you worry, add one single cubit to your span of life? And why worry about clothing? Think of the flowers growing in the fields. They never have to work or spin. Yet I assure you that not even Solomon in all his royal robes was clothed like one of these. Go on. Is that 28? Yeah, I think I went to 29, actually. Oh, okay. Thank you. All right. What I want to focus on is taking no thought about anything. Taking no thought about anything. And... I saw a live experience of a person who took thought about something and almost lost what I believe was a heart desire, a gift from God. They had wanted this gift. This woman uh, had wanted God to give her a house to live in. She wanted this house to live in. And you know, she, she knew she wanted, but she waited patiently for this house to live in, right? And so finally, after a period of time, which is the right time, this opportunity came for her to get this house. And when she found out, found out that she was going to get it, she was all excited. Yeah, right on. I can't believe it. And just with joy because, you know, the prayer was answered. God gave the house. And then... A few days later, thought crept in about the house. Could I afford it? I looked at my budget, and my budget said no. I went and talked to other people about their expenses, what they pay, how much they pay. And, you know, I'm just not sure now. Um, I talked to other people about the distance in the drive that I would have to take. And they said this and they said that. And they start thinking about this gift that they had asked God for, which caused them to live into the future, go into the future and live where there is no future by taking the thought, right? So they began to doubt that they could do it, that they could afford it, that it was worth it. 
And I saw this joy turn to darkness. I saw the, the, the eyes that was filled with joy and glazing and happy and turn to darkness and doubt and fear. Because once you go into thought about it, you become afraid, you become uncertain, you, be, you, know, you just don't know if you can do it now. Whereas before, without thinking on it, there was no doubt that it can happen because they're living for now. The gift is now. And they just totally tripped out. I mean, just lost all hope and everything. And it was amazing to see that because they went into thought about what they had asked God for. Can you imagine asking him for something? He, and he didn't, he didn't give it to her right away. He gave it to her in due time, in due, you know, when he knew, when God knew or knew that she was ready for it. And when God gives you something that you ask for, uh, believe me, he has always already made the way for you to take care of it, for it to work. He'll take care of tomorrow. That's why he said, take no thought for tomorrow. Because God understands the moment you take thought for tomorrow, which doesn't exist, it's going to create fear and doubt and uncertainty. And that's what happened in this person. It was amazing to see the change, and I could not believe it. And I'm thinking, why would you go and ask somebody else about their budget? Their budget has nothing to do with your budget. You know what I'm saying? Why would you go and, it's like wanting to start a business. And then instead of just going and doing the business, you ask everybody else, what do you think about it? How do you feel about it? Should I do this or should I do that? And the people are going to give you answers, but they're giving you their doubts and their thoughts. They'll pass it on to you, just like parents who don't have faith pass on doubt to their children. They start, the kids start to doubt themselves, too, that they can make it or that they can do this and that. And this person almost lost the deal. They had lost it, really. But God had mercy upon them when they came back to their senses, and he still allowed them to get it. But it was an interesting ordeal for me to watch this happen. I understood it. You know, I've been through that before. I understood it. But, I, you know, I'm thinking, don't go into the, tomorrow. Tomorrow doesn't exist. It just has fear. There's all this there. It has doubt. It separates you from what God has given you, and you will lose it. I know, I absolutely know people with great gifts, great talents, and uh, they have tried to do things and start businesses or whatever, and they feel pretty good about it, but they go into thought about it. Is it going to work? What's going to happen tomorrow? Will I have enough money to do this or enough money to do that? They don't just live for the moment. They don't just live with God, knowing that he will take care. When you live in the moment, there's no doubt that everything will work out, none whatsoever. And I have to tell you, I've seen people who failed in business, not because they didn't have the talent for it, but they didn't have the faith for it, because they would believe whatever their ego mind, which is of the devil, tell them. And they have a relationship with that. And that's why God said, you can't serve two gods. You either love one or hate the other. You can't, there's no going in and out with the God thing. Whoever your God, whomever your God is is who you're going to serve. And you can tell who you serve when real issues come up in life. 
because you're going to go into your head, you're going to doubt everything, and you're not going to succeed at it. If you examine yourself in this room today, I bet you when you look back, you miss out on excellent opportunities because you went into doubt about it. When I, uh, and I was talking to Andre about this, my audio is there on the radio, and Andre is um, about 24 now, and he openly talked about it, so I can discuss it too. Andre and his wife bought a house recently, and they had wanted a house closer in the city, but it didn't work out that way. Finally, they got the house outside the city. They have to drive a long way, but it was the opportunity that came about, right? And then as they were working on this thing, so many situations came up. Then they finally got the house, and before they can go in, Satan just put all kind of doubt in his mind. He started to believe he can't pay for it, this and that and that. He almost didn't want to take it because of that kind of thought. But he realized he had gone into his imagination that this is a gift from God, and he went and moved into it. And now God has shown him something he could do with that house to make more money to even pay for the house note. The drive is fine for now. He's making that sacrifice for now. And when you accept what is, life works then. But you got to accept what is and not come up with all this crap. I remember when I had my, um, I started, and I, I've said this before, and this was before I had sense, the little sense I have now, right? I, I, uh, I was into computers. I was a medical transcriber, and I had wanted to have my own business, and I didn't have enough money to start a medical transcribing business. And so I started a janitorial service. And I said, you know what, I'm just going to do a janitorial service because it doesn't take a lot of money. I made up some flyers. I came up with a little name, a small business that does a big job. That was my little title thing, right? And it would, you know, so I made up some flowers. I put them on the cars in the parking lots, and people called for me to do the job, and then they would give me half. I would go do the job, get the rest of the money, and put it in. And in seven years, I had seven full-time employees. And I had a truckload of, uh, of uh, contracts. It just came out of nowhere. The unseen, became, invisible became visible while I'm living this life. And at the time, I didn't even think about it. And people told me, because my little sophisticated friends, they say, oh, don't do a janitorial service. That's degrading. And the Mexicans are going to outbid you anyway. You know, they work for cheap, that kind of stuff. I said, forget this. I see no other way to go, you know. <laughs> and I started that business. And then when I started Bond, I got so busy with Bond, it came about that I couldn't work the janitorial service anymore. You know what happened? I didn't know how to negotiate a, a contract at the time with Benjamin. And so I'm like, Lord, help me, you know, figure out this contract deal. And I saw an ad of a company that wanted, looking for a janitorial service. So I went over there, and the guy was so nice. I said, look, I would love to do this job, but I don't know how to, you know, write up a contract or uh, bid on a contract. And he said, oh, don't worry about it. I'll give you some of my old contracts and show you how to do it. He, let, he gave me some of those contracts, showed me how to do it, and gave me the deal. Isn't that amazing? That came from nowhere. I wasn't expecting that to happen. It just came out of nowhere because I wasn't living in my mind thinking that, oh, how am I going to do this and what's going to happen with that? And so I started the organization Bond, and uh, I got so busy 
I had to sell the janitorial service seven years later. And I'm thinking, uh, oh, how am I going to sell this, right? And everybody's like, oh, you might as well just drop that. You're not going to be able to sell it. People don't want to buy a janitorial service. And so I put the word out. I just started telling people I'm selling my business. And I had so many people asking to buy the business. I was absolutely surprised. As a matter of fact, there was a woman who wanted to buy the whole thing, and she got mad at me because uh, when I found out that there were so many people that wanted to buy it, I split the contracts and sold a group to this people <laughs> and a group to this folk, and I made all my money back and then some. Isn't that amazing? All because I didn't have doubt about anything. And I wasn't running around thinking that I didn't have doubt or that I had doubt. It just wasn't a part of my thinking at the time, right, because I wasn't into... Uh, praying and stuff like that. I was just doing my thing. And it all unfolded. And then I started Bond. And uh, we got to a point, we grew, grew, grew. And we used to have the meeting at the house, at the Bond home for young men. And we just, you know, it was, it grew. So I had to find a building. And so I said, and I had no money. So I said, oh, I need a building. So I put the word out that I needed a building. And one day I got a call from my attorney. He said, oh, I'm working with this client who just want to get rid of her building. She just want to get rid of it. She's ready to move out and give up on the business thing. I said, oh, okay, let me check it out. I checked this building out. And at the time, which was like 12 years ago, they wanted $5,000 for, this, for the uh, lease, to lease this building a month. I did not have $5,000. <laughs> I did not have $5,000. I had no idea what, where $5,000 a month was going to come from, right, 12 years ago. But I took the building anyway because it was given to me by God. It came from nowhere. It was, I had a need, and God saw my need, and so he gave me this building, and I took it, and so forth. 12 years later, we're still paying the rent. Isn't that amazing? Because there was no doubt there, I, I was living for today. You know, I wasn't into what's going to happen tomorrow and, and, and blah, 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 right? When God gives you something, you don't have to worry about how it's going to work out. Don't worry about the outcome. Just take advantage of the opportunity and live for today. And each day will work itself out. Don't worry about the outcome. If he gives it to you, he will provide for you. He's not going to give you something that you can't afford to have. Now, there are some people who don't have that relationship with God. They'll ask God for something, and they think God gave it to them, and they go out and get it, and they mess up. <laughs> you have to let it. Life is an unfolding thing. If you wait upon the Lord, he will, you know, answer all of your prayers. But how do you wait? You wait by not going into your imagination and developing doubt. That's how you wait. You take one day at a time. And I'm telling you, it works itself out. It's already inside of us, but doubt prevents that from coming out. And so many people have missed out on so many opportunities like that. One other quick story, then I'll tell you some hands here. When I was, uh, I grew up, and you heard this story before too, and I'm telling you because it's so important. I grew up being taught that at 25 that you're supposed to get married, Buy, buy a house and get married at 25. 25 was a nice age. By that time, you, you got a job, you save up a little money, and, you know, you get married, start your family. And so in my mind, 
I knew at 25 I was going to buy a house and hopefully get married. So one morning I turned 25. <laughs> I did. I woke up and I'm like, wow, I'm 25 years old today. I got to get a house. And I had no money. None. I had a job, but no saving, no nothing. Because I had been just partying and having fun. I wasn't saving any money, right? But I knew I had to get a house. So I said, okay. So I got up and got dressed. And I said, I'm going to go and talk to a realtor today and just let them know I want a house. (laughs) And so I went and met this woman. I told her, hey, I want a house. I have no money. Is there a way to get a house? She's like, well, let me look at it. Let me think about it. I'll let you know. And so she started to take me around and show me different houses, right? And I looked at so many different homes. And one day, not far from here, on Alvira Street, I walked into this house, big old huge living room with a fireplace, dining room, kitchen, uh, washer-dry area, two bedrooms and two baths, big backyard. I said, this is my house right here. I knew it was my house. A gift from God, right? I knew it. With no money, I knew it. <laughs> and so I said, this is the house I want. She said, okay. I said, so how am I going to get this house? <laughs> I'm telling you a true story. And I wasn't thinking about what was happening. I was just doing it. And the lady said, uh, well, they have this loan called assumable loan. You can assume somebody else's loan. Remember when we used to have those? Yeah. yeah. And these people that are selling this house, they're ready to get out of it. All they want is for someone to take over the loan and give them a couple thousand dollars. I said, wow, that's a great deal. I'll take it. So we fill out the app. I uh, went and, and, and borrowed $2,000. I gave those folks that money, and I got me a house. Isn't that amazing? I didn't think about, well, how am I going to pay the house note? And I had a job, but I didn't, it, wasn't, it didn't occur to me like that. Not at all. I got the house, and... Uh, it was a very nice house, and in one year, I sold that house for $100,000. My house note at the time was uh, $300. Can you believe that? $300. And that's how life works. And now that I'm older and I see that and I understand that, I know now when Elva, God moved me into another whatever, don't go into what Satan is telling me about the deal. Because he's going to make you down and you will never get anything done. And don't go around asking everybody and their mama what they think about it. Because they're giving you their doubts and their fears. That's their life. That's how they live. And when you believe into what they believe in, then you're living their life. You get nowhere in life. Isn't that fun? When God, I had a, a, a couple of people tell me, a couple of guys tell me that are, uh, you know, I said, oh, how's business? Well, it's going fine. I'm at a point now I need a secretary. And because right now they just started out, just one person, right? I need a secretary. I said, so why don't you just get a secretary? I don't have the money. You know, I don't know. I got to wait until I save up the money. I said, no, you don't. You don't have to do that. You have grown to a need. So... Now that you have gotten to this point where you have a need, get the secretary, and then God will provide the need. He'll bring in the money for the secretary. But if you don't ever open it up so that he can put something in, there's nothing he can fulfill. 
you're waiting, trying to get the money yourself. You're not trusting God for it. God brought you to a point in your business where you need something else. And that's how whole life is. He gave you the business. He brought you to a point. Now you need help. Find the help, and I'll provide for the help. I have hired employees over the years with no way of knowing how I'm going to pay the salary for them. But I had a need. <laughs> we had gotten busy, and we grew to this point, and now we need another person, right? But the money wasn't there in my hand, but so far, everybody getting paid. 23 years later. Isn't that, like, beautiful to live that way? I want to encourage you, you got to stay out of here. you got to stay away from that. Take no thoughts about anything. The worst thing you can do is take thoughts about things. You serve the wrong, you serve the wrong God then. Isn't that nice? Mm-hmm. Nice to me. Uh, let me take here first, and then I come over there. All right. I have a similar story. Um, I bought this house that had a huge, huge uh, mortgage on it. And um, the house um, was priced right at the top of the market. The market collapsed. And um, the house is underwater. But um, God went out and uh, destroyed the whole American economy to lower the price of the house so that I could afford it. You know, the banks then. Let's go over here. Yeah. And uh, then later, later um, now that the house is overpriced, now the Chinese are coming in and buying up property. No, this is too serious to be doing that. No, it is. It is. Let's go here. Go ahead. Um, I I wanted to, I I see what you're saying in the law, uh, in effect, that you're talking about. I I want to talk to you about the opposite. I had an opportunity one time, um, I was uh, working for a collection agency. And along comes this guy who sat right next to me, and it turns out he owned his own personal collection agency. And he says, you know what? He says, um, I'm going to start my own collection agency again. Something about you, he says, uh, I think you can corner the Hispanic market. Why don't you come along with me and we can become partners. We'll build our own business. I know where we get, I know where we get the clients. I know where we can get the computers. I have the spot. You know, you know just why don't you do it? I thought about it. I said, hey, you know what? I'm earning pretty good money here. I have a medical plan. I said, <laughs> my bills are getting paid. If I become self-employed, everything is a risk. I don't know. Right now I have a security net. And uh, um, I didn't take it. I didn't take it. And uh, who knows? And I think back, and I say, you know what? That could have led into something huge. Yes. You know what I mean? That's so right. it, it was that. I doubted it was exactly what you said. Yeah. And so. now that job you had is gone now, right? Yeah, well, yeah, I continued on, and now the job is gone. Yeah. And, and uh, what you're saying can very much help me if I apply it, you know, and that's yes. the thing. that's right. What people don't realize is that our life is already laid out. It really is. It's already laid out, but you can't take thought about it because the moment you take thought about it, you, you change the course of your life the life that he has already created for you. You really will. But I, I realize what people don't know, and I'm learning too, so, you know, they don't understand the relationship that they have with the deceiver in their imagination. They really don't understand how deep that runs. Because we have, we have a, 
we used to know God. We used to have a natural relationship with him. But because of the trauma we go through in life with our parents and other things, being mad and acting out and putting their crap on us, we become like them by being angry at them for treating us this way, right? So we lose that natural um, unfolding life with God. And But when you become an adult, you come back to that, you know, when you repent, when you realize this is stupid the way I'm doing this. Something's wrong with the way I'm living here, you know. When you can see that for yourself as an adult, you start to come back to that, the way you were as a child, when you didn't put much thought into stuff. You didn't worry about this. You didn't worry about that. Kids don't, wor- don't naturally worry about things. The only way that kids start to worry about things is when you pressure them to turn away from God. When they become angry, then they start to feel insecure. They, they want to be like the other kids. They want to look like the other kids and all that kind of stuff because you have taken them away from God. That's why we end up so doubtful and, and serving this other God. But if you realize that, you will start to overcome that. Even when situations come in life and it looks like it's just too much to bear, right? Satan plays on that. But if you could be still and know him, you can overcome that, too. Don't react to stuff. No matter how bad the ego tries to say it is, oh, this is going to destroy you, blah, blah, blah. Relax. Be like the, the, uh, when Christ was on the boat with those folks, the disciples, and they trusted him as long as he was awake. He laid down to take a nap. A little, earth, a little windstorm came, and they freaking out. They were freaking out. You know, and Jesus is like, you know what? I thought you guys, you can, you can tell this thing to stop. You can stop the water, but you got to be still and do it. You got to just, you got to not, whatever. If you want to live, do what you want. You can miss out. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, the story of uh, Moses having faith. He, had, he walked into the, the sea. He walked into the sea. And the sea uh, parted. He had to walk in faith. And any, uh, as an adult, I had to realize that I had to walk in faith. Had to walk by faith. And that's not by, you know, your imagination. I had to take chances and risk. And by me, me taking chances and risk, I grew. Uh, when I failed, I failed because uh, I, I, I wanted my security and I wanted my comfort and that's when I, I kind of went backwards. I, um, I understand what you're saying, but I'm not asking you to take risk, and I'm not asking you to take chances. What I'm asking you is to be conscious enough to know when God has given you your heart desire, when you desire, because he said that he would meet our uh, every need, he would give us our heart desire. So when he gives you your heart desire, you're not taking a risk or a chance. You know what I'm saying? And so there is a difference. I don't think we should live life by chance or take risk. Because when you take risk or you live by chance, you end up messing up, I think. You know, you're taking a guess at it. Or you're hoping that it would work because you are taking a risk. But there's, an, there's like another way of living by living with God right now instead of in the past or the future or trying to live your religion or whatever it is that you do. You know, you need to, you need to live with him. That makes sense? Not in your imagination, because he doesn't, 
God loves us, and he doesn't want us to really take risk in life. I don't think there's any way to buy where it says, take a chance, take a risk. It says, live by faith. Trust me, I'll take care of you. Have no doubt, and I'll take care of you. But as long as you have anger, you're not going to be able to do that. All right? When you making a serious point, or are you playing around? Yeah, but you know, the, I didn't wanna, the situation I, got twisted a little bit in my thought. It, really, what happened was I bought at the top of the market, and then the, the economy crashed. But because of the things that were going on, <laughs> the banks, you know, I tried to short sell it and get out from under it, take a loss, a heavy loss. Yeah. But things were going on that I didn't see, and eventually the mortgage was lowered for me by the banks because of all the other stuff that was going on. I didn't have to do a thing. Oh, okay. And now I'm, I'm hoping to get out from under it because, you know, it is a, a, a horrible deal I made. Right. And now, like I said, the Chinese are now starting to buy up huge swaths of property in the U.S. and raising the price of the homes. And as soon as mine gets up there, I'm out. There you go. I thought you were making a joke. No, I, I was, but it got kind of turned around backwards. Oh, okay. Did you get mad when I said, I got to move on because your eyes are bucking? No, no. I, I did, but I, I realized, you know, that... It, that's what I would have done, too, just to take the mic away, because it sounded kind of crazy, but, yeah. you know, because it's coming out wrong. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. Were you, were you sitting over there steaming just now? No. Uh, I've been through this situation before, so I'm wise enough to know, you know, <laughs> I, I, I deserve that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so you're sitting there, your eyes start swelling. Yeah. No. Yeah. A little bit of that, but like I said, you know, I'm, I, I know enough to know that, that, that that's uh, just denial. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, any, any other questions about this? Anybody else can relate to going through this? You had an opportunity, and then Satan started talking to you. You let it go. You talked to other people, everybody, their mama. Yes, sir. Something I have noticed in life is that usually when you have a, a real opportunity that comes from God, uh, at least this has been in my case, okay? I've seen this, and it's probably in everybody's. There's usually a duplicate counterfeit opportunity that will come up and sneak up right alongside it that will present itself, and its purpose is just to simply throw you off track. Oh, I just realized yeah. something. I just go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. But the, the thing is, is that you have something that is right off the altar there for you. Okay. And in the absence of anything else, you would you'd go for it, and it would it would it would fulfill your needs. It would be a sort of a simple thing. But here comes this other thing that suddenly appears. And it also has logical reasons why you should go this route yeah. instead of the other route. There's very logical reasons if you think about it and you look at it. But something in your gut maybe tells you uh, against it, but you disregard what you feel in your gut and you, you yeah. okay, and it blows the real thing. I mean, this, this could be with a woman. This could be with a business opportunity. This could be... Whatever, whatever. Yeah, whatever. whatever. The, I just realized something because of timing. I got to move on. Um, when God gives you something, when it unfolds and all of a sudden it's just there, there is no other competition that comes in to make you doubt it. There is no other opportunity that look greater. That's so interesting. But when you do it on your own, on your own, you do have this other thing that look better. It looks better than what you have, right? But I'm telling you, thus far, if he gives it to you, there is no other thing that comes along to make you say, oh, should I take this one or should I take that one? That does not happen. Isn't that amazing? 
And so that's another way to know that it's not from God. If you got these two battles going on now, oh, the Lord gave me this, right? Now I got this over here and I got this and I don't know what to do. It's not from God. It is not from God. I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm glad you brought that up. That is not from God. He is not going to give you something and then bring in all this something else for you and now you got to decide. He doesn't even want you deciding. He does not want you deciding. So if he doesn't want you to decide, why would he bring you another thing to make you decide and be confused? He's quite clear in everything that he does. Isn't that deep? Something so simple but yet so deep. He never does that. And I know what you're talking about. I've done that beforehand. I've heard people, oh, I asked the Lord to give me a house, and the Lord gave me a house, and as soon as I about to get it, another one came. <laughs> and now I'm confused, and this will look good. I don't know what it is. That's not from God. Go sit down. Stop making God look that way. That is not, he's not going to treat his children that way. He loves us. He's not going to make a fool of us. He's not going to frustrate us. He's not going to agitate us. He's, he's, he's all love. Common love just makes you feel good all the time. And feel good doesn't mean you're feeling good, free all the time. He's not, that's not from God either. Ermin, what do you think about what I said about how the mind works? Real fast. I can relate to that. You can relate? Yeah. And I can totally see how uh, when, and I you know, had a, opportunity like that arise and it's interesting how it could be something that you you know is right in the moment it's presented to you it makes sense and then you can step away from it and then all of a sudden doubt creeps in um i had a situation i mean it's clear as day (laughs) where that opportunity presented itself i mean it made total sense and then i stepped away from it and on paper it just didn't make sense (laughs) You know, it didn't look like it, I, I could do it. And then, you know, worry and fear creeps in and you end up making the wrong decision. I noticed, too, when people are in that mode of thinking, when they're crazy like that, there's nothing you can do to tell them you're being crazy right now. No, this is absolutely insane what you're doing. If my, you, you might as well let them go and just be in their, in their suffering because you cannot convince them that they've, got caught, they've gotten caught up with the lie and that now they're operating from evil rather than good. You have to let them suffer. You have to leave them alone. Let them learn the other way. Isn't that amazing? So I want you to know, folks, God is with us. He will provide. Take no thought for what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, where you're going to live, who you're going to live with. Take no thought for that because it brings doubt. You're serving the wrong God. And God is not a God of doubt. And life and let life unfold. It, we already have it. It's really already there for us. Everything that you need, everything that you are, everything is already there, but because you go into your head about it, you can't see that it's there. You don't allow the invisible to become visible because you go and serve the, the, the father of darkness. Isn't that true? I'm telling you the truth, so help me. It's already done. When Jesus came and put back everything, he gave us everything back. 
We got our salvation back. We, we are like children of God. We just don't know it because we're in darkness and won't repent and come into the light. We love the darkness more than we love the light. And that's what the problem is. Meaning that you won't forgive. And unless you forgive, you're never going to enter into the kingdom. You're not going to enter in. You're going to be in darkness. You can study the Bible until the cows come home. You can go to church. You can give your kids. You can spoil them, whatever you want to do. Go downtown and serve the poor. You're still not going to enter into the kingdom until you forgive. And then you can enter in, and God can love through you, and you can have a life. And I know for a fact that God caused me to forgive. I forgave my parents. He allowed me to see what the problem was, and he caused me to forgive because forgiveness is spiritual too. You can't even forgive on your own. Let's think of how many times you're forgiven, and you're still angry. You, have, you can't even do that. Of ourselves, we can do nothing. You just need to know you're an angry, no good person. And then he would do the rest. Last comment, Rodney, real fast. God asks, we ask God for something, he might give us that thing, but it causes turmoil in our life for us to learn something. So how does that work? So far, I haven't experienced that. So, thus far, I don't know what tomorrow going to bring, but everything he has done for me in the last 23 years, and even with that house that I got prior to the 23 years, he provided. Ways were just made for me to take care of it. I had no turmoil. The only time you're going to have turmoil in your life is if you go into the darkness of your imagination. If you go out of the light, into the darkness. If you're in the light, you're in perfect love, you cannot have all that stuff going on in you. So I don't, they, somebody lying. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I love this, folks, and I want you to have it. It's in all of us. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to have challenges to come your way, People are going to want to destroy you. They're going to hate you. But God has forgiven you. And so no matter what you go through, it's impossible to hate whatever is happening to you, too. Because you have his love now. He's loving. And love allows you to go through this stuff or let it go through you without sticking in you, staying there with you. But you've got to forgive. So I want to encourage you to pray. Sit still and know him. Be still and know God. And so now when these little situations come, if you deal with them in a, in a right way, you start to grow in dealing with life. And when big things come, what seem like big things, you're ready for it. To your surprise, you're handling it very, very well. And Satan's so going to always try to whisper that, you know, the doubt and stuff, but you're kind of separated from him now. He doesn't have the same influence. All right? But you must forgive in order for all this to happen. You've got to forgive. You've got to stay with prayer. I don't care what's going on. The best thing you can do for yourself, get up in the morning. I recommend early prayer. You know, I was uh, uh, in prayer the, uh, yesterday morning. Like, well, not yesterday, Friday, Friday morning, because I didn't get up early yesterday. It was, you know, it was Saturday. And the quietness in my room was perfect. It was so quiet and so perfect. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, wow, this is so beautiful. And I never, it's amazing that quietness can be beautiful. Well, when you pray, you're going to calm down this old crazy mind, which is of the devil, 
and you're going to become a quiet, inter person, and then you can live your life. Angry people, busy people are not living their lives. All right? So pray, forgive, and live, folks, and take no thoughts for tomorrow. Thank you for tuning in, and thank you for coming, folks. For more information, to purchase a copy of this program, or to make a donation, visit us on the web at bondinfo.org or call 1-800-411-2663. That's 1-800-411-BOND. Oh,